0: Well, today we have come to the book of 2 John, so you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Making our way toward the end of the New Testament. And uh, as we have gone through the New Testament, starting with the Gospel of John, um, it's my hope that you have learned a lot and that you have grown in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you've heard me mention in times past, our time together on Sunday mornings. When we gather, it's such a a brief period of time. And I really always encourage you to dig deeper into the Word of God on your own personal time as as an individual, as a married couple, as parents, with your children, it's important that the Word of God plays a major role in your lives. Um, I am one who teaches the Word of God with simplicity, yet I also teach it from a passion within my heart, because the Word of God, the, the Holy Bible, is what turned my life around 28 years ago. Um, I've never had much tolerance for man-made religion, be it denominational or be it non-denominational. But I believe in and, and personally know the life-changing power of the Word of God, and that's why I teach it. So today we will continue on in our studies by looking at 2 John chapter 1, which is the only chapter of second john but we will also today go ahead and study through third john chapter 1 as well so let's get going verse 1 the elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth and not only I but also all those who have known the truth So John says that this elect lady to whom he writes is loved by him in the truth. And that he's not the only one that loves this elect lady, but so does everyone else who has known the truth. We, of course, know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But he also mentions, John also mentions here the word, Uh, Truth, 37 times in his New Testament writings. He mentions the word truth. We know that not everyone loves the truth. The majority of the world hates to hear the truth. Again, Jesus himself being the truth was hated by the world in which he came into. Many people today refuse to believe that there's only one way. They don't want to hear that truth. They say that that's impossible. That can't be the case. But John writes to the elect lady here, and more importantly, he's writing to us as well, that we need to be people of the truth who love the truth. Christ followers, Christians, are to love the truth. By the Holy Spirit, the truth lives in us. It lives in the heart of a born-again believer. And verse 2 says here, Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. So John loved the elect lady, and he states that all who love the truth love her as well. The truth abides in us, he says. But who is the elect lady? Well, Scripture isn't real clear on that topic. So I personally don't make much out of it, to tell you the truth. And you can read commentaries on the Bible and find that some say that the elect lady is the church and her children are the people of the church. Others say that she was indeed an individual and her children were her children. Either way you go, it's up to you. But what I take from these scriptures is that we are in the truth, the truth abides in us, and we are to love the truth. And when I say that the world around us hates the truth, oftentimes it's easy for us to not like the truth. Because the truth cuts us to the core sometimes. And the truth calls out to us and requires us to change. The truth calls out to us and requires us to change. Repent. Now, the opposite of the truth is what? A lie, right? You see, but the truth is what binds Christians together, or it should. The truth is what should bind Christians together. You see, we are not bound together as Christians by our social status, right? We're not bound together by our political status though that seems to be what a lot of modern day Christianity is all about, political things, right? But it's not about our class. It's not about our ethnicity. The thing that binds us together is the truth. And again, we know that Jesus is the truth and that the word of God is the truth. We are bound together in the truth. We know also that the Apostle John in his New Testament writings has made much ado about love as well, hasn't he? And those of us who walk in the truth, we love one another. This is another way that we know that we are in Christ in that we love one another. John continues on in verse 3, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. So there John ties his two favorite topics together, truth and love. Grace, mercy, and peace are with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, when we are walking in Truth in love. That's when grace, mercy, and peace are with us, when we are walking in truth in love. Verse 4 I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth, as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning that we love one another. So, this is the commandment that John has uh, repetitiously spoken of, right? The commandment that we should love one another. He says, Yep, lady, I I see that some of your children are. Walking in the truth. And the father has commanded us to do so. But he says you must also walk in love though. He's reminding her. Now I have taught you from scripture in weeks past. How love is to be expressed in our lives as Christians. And how it is to be lived out. And one example I brought up which I'll remind you of again, is, is found just a couple pages back in your Bible here in 1 John 3, 17. In 1 John 3:17, it says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So you see, love is expressed in the things that we share, the material things that we give to our brothers and sisters that are in need. You see, you can love the truth. In other words, you can, you can love what you, uh, you know, what you see in the word of the Lord. You can love the Lord. Uh, you love what you know of the Father, right? And, and you take time to study His word. But if you don't walk in love if, you don't love, if you don't live love out in the things that you do, then John is reminding us and the elect lady that we need to not only focus on truth, but also on love. There are other examples in the Bible of what love does, right? But greater love has no one than this, than that one would lay down his life, right? And we are called to walk in that kind of love, to consider others as better than ourselves. That's what Jesus taught us, how we are to walk in love. And as we look back now in 2 John chapter 1, verse 6, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So do you see the action word mentioned twice there in verse 6? The word walk. It implies action on our part. So we are to love one another and we are also to love the truth. And when we love the truth, we will not be deceived by the lies. Because verse 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Okay, so now, you see, there was something very popular during the time that John wrote this letter, and it was called, and it is called, Gnosticism. Okay, now there is much that we could talk about regarding Gnosticism, And what it entails. But as it pertains to Jesus. right? Gnosticism says that Jesus was a spirit that only seemed to be a human being. That's what a Gnostic would say. That Jesus was a spirit that only seemed to be a human being. So with that in mind. Gnosticism rejects the incarnation. What is the Incarnation? Well, the Incarnation is that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, He came in the flesh by being conceived in the womb of a woman. Her name was Mary, right? Well, Gnosticism rejects that fact of Scripture. And John says that any person that does not confess that Jesus came in the flesh is a deceiver and an Antichrist. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we know that the Apostle John made it very clear that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The same Word that was there in the beginning of creation, the same Word that spoke all things into being, became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians 2.9 makes it very clear that in the body of Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. In the body of Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. Colossians 2 9. So even today, we need to be careful of what we hear. We must love the truth. The truth abides in us, and we have it in our Bibles here, don't we? So in order to love the truth, we must be in love with the Word of God. Let me just quickly have you look back at 1st John chapter 4 just a couple of pages back 1st John chapter 4 and let's start reading in verse 1 beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world So we are repeatedly reminded of this, aren't we? Do not believe everything that you hear or see. (coughs) Excuse me. Test it against the truth that is found in the word of God. Because there is a ton of false doctrines out there in this world. Verse 2 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So, John is big on the fact of who Jesus really is, isn't he? Scripture is very plain. So we must not allow ourselves to be deceived. Then as we flip back to 2 John, verse 8 says, Look to yourselves, that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full... Reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So this is sound doctrine. That Jesus is God in the flesh. We can't stray away from that sound doctrine or we will lose our reward. And there are all kinds of teaching around us today that deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Many religions believe this. One very big religion was started in the mind of one man and has spread to millions of people that deny the deity Of Jesus Christ deny what the scriptures so plainly teach and these people are our neighbors and they are our co-workers and they're all around us right and many are just ignorant and don't even know what their own religion teaches and they're ignorant in the sense that they don't know the truth because they don't go to the Word of God for the truth And they have added to the word of God and created what they call another truth. Right? But this is a serious matter. And verse 10 says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Now, I have had neighbors right, share with me their false doctrines and I cut them off right away. I can be cordial with them in a neighborly way but when they bring their doctrine to me I immediately cut it off. If I offend them and they don't speak to me anymore then so be it. But again, this is a serious matter. That doctrine is a doctrine of the Antichrist and is gaining ground in the world today. Many false religions are gaining ground in the world today. And I can't help but wonder, where is the body of Christ? Where is the power of God? You see, because many people today, as the Bible says, call themselves Christians. Many people today, as the Bible says, they have a form of godliness. That's the scripture I was trying to think of, that the Bible says. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. You see, we need the power of God. We need the love. We need the truth. We need the Holy Spirit, right? John says here in verse 12, Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. So John had a lot more to say to this elect lady, whomever she was, but he had hoped to speak with her in person. But I think it's clear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us through the Word of God here in 2 John. We must stay the course to sound doctrine. We must beware of false doctrine. We must love the truth and we must walk in love. So love the truth and walk in love. Then John wrote another letter and this we know of as 3 John. And starting in Verse 1 of 3 John, it says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. So, John is an old man now, and that's what he means when he uses the word elder there. He's not, it's not an office that he holds. He is simply speaking about his advanced years there. And Gaius is another person that John loves in truth. He goes on in verse 2 Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, many people quote this verse today as if it's a given for them. They claim this verse for themselves. They say that that the word of God says that it is his will that we prosper and be in good health. But in reality, do we really see that in the people of God in the scriptures. Was Paul ever sick? Did he have any infirmities? We know that he did, right? What about, you remember a guy named Epaphroditus? He was one who ministered to the needs of Paul while Paul was in prison. He was a servant of the Lord's, and Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that Epaphroditus was sick almost unto death John the Baptist was beheaded while serving God and so was the apostle James John's brother in this or or I should say is this what you would call prospering and being in good health all those things John is simply saying that this is his prayer for Gaius But we know that in this life there is no such guarantee. You're not always going to be in good health. And you're not always going to be in prosperity. No matter what you name. No matter what you claim. No matter what you confess with your mouth from your false doctrines. It's not not the case in this life. It wasn't with none of the apostles. Nor will it be with anyone that serves the Lord. So, we need to beware of these types of false doctrines that are in the world as well. And we're going to see a little bit uh, here why it was important for Gaius to prosper. We're going to see that as we go on. For verse 3 For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. So, Gaius was someone that had the truth in him. But not only that, he was walking in the truth as well. Again, there is a distinction made between the one that has the truth and the one who actually walks in the truth. There's a difference. John says in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know, I must tell you that as a teacher of the word of God, I have great hope that each one of you who listens to my teachings will walk in the truth of what you hear from the word of God. And that you do make a distinction between what you hear from me and what you hear from the word of God. But that you walk in the truth of the word of God. Like a broken record, Record, I remind you time and time again to be doers of the Word. Live out your faith. Live out love. Let the truth that is in you be seen by others around you. John says here that it gives him great joy when those whose souls he oversees walks in the truth. You know, I have ministered For years to various people, since the day I was saved, not long after I was saved, I began sharing the gospel with people and ministering to people and telling people of the Lord. And then, of course, going on and working with youth over the years. I get great joy now in seeing the youth that have gone on. There's only a handful that have gone on to walk in the truth. There's not many. But they've gone on to walk in the truth and they've gone on to serve the Lord. And that gives me great joy that I stood and I taught these youth at one time. And anybody that I teach today, it brings me great joy to see that they would go and walk in the truth as well. Verse 5 says, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. Who have borne witness of your love before the church. Now pause right there for a minute. John here gives some very encouraging words to Gaius. Gaius is a man that stands out within the local gathering of believers. Others bear witness to his love. For one, I think it's awesome that John takes the time to tell this to Gaius. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul gives similar words of encouragement to the believers in the city of Thessalonica. He said to them, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father. In the sight of our God and Father. You know, I'm not ashamed to tell you that people that labor in the gospel need encouragement. John and Paul were careful to give that encouragement. Paul called it a labor of love. John tells Gaius that what he does, he does faithfully and it's recognized. John's pointing it out and letting them know, hey, what you're doing makes a difference. Sometimes you just don't know if what you do gets recognized at all here on this earth. But no matter what, you press on, knowing that you do what you do unto the Lord. But encouraging words are important, and we should take time to speak kind and encouraging words to each other. It works well for marriages, it works well for friendships, it works well in raising your children. It works out well in encouraging the brethren and the sisters in the Lord that go out and serve, right? A favorite proverb of mine is Proverbs 12:25, which says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You see, words carry a lot of weight in the hearts of people. And we need to take the time to give some good words to people that we love, and especially those in the body of Christ who serve in the body of Christ. So John took time to give good words to Gaius. But the other thing that we see here is that Gaius took time to be a man known for his love in the body of Christ. His love produced actions and he was a doer of good works. You see back in verse 2 John said that he prayed for Gaius to prosper. But the thing is though that Gaius used his resources for the furtherance of the gospel. Everything he did, he did faithfully. Everything he did, he did for the furtherance of the gospel. So it was important that he prospered because he was using it rightly, right? And verse 6 continues and says, If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. And there are people today that step out and they go forward for the Lord's sake. Right. And it's good to to send them with what they need on their journey. Verse eight says, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So, again, Gaius was sending out laborers in the gospel. He loved and he took care of them while they were in town. And John tells them to send them on their way, you know, with all the things that they need. And for the people of today that are doing good works that are also teaching God's word or sending out laborers into the field, we ought to pray for their prosperity as well. So Gaius was a good example that we see in Scripture. As verse 9 continues, we will see a bad example. It says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting against us with malicious words. Okay, so that's the extreme opposite right there of encouraging words, right? There are people like Diotrephus in the world today, right? You step out, you step out to do well. You go out to spread the gospel. You go out to teach the word and people want to come along and tear you down. They don't give out encouraging words. Instead, they send out malicious words about you. And they lie about you. And they say all kinds of things about you. And they start speaking poorly of you so that others begin to ignore you. (laughs) And this is the kind of guy that Diotrephus was. And verse 10 continues And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Wow, so this man, Diotrephus, think about that. This ain't some stranger. This ain't some outsider. This is somebody in the church. Why was he doing what he was doing? We really don't know, but I have seen very territorial churches do similar things today. Very territorial pastors do this kind of thing. They don't want others in their area preaching and teaching God's word, so they tear them down, and then they tell others not to fellowship with them either, or they cunningly use malicious words to lie about the people so that others won't fellowship with them. But as the body of Christ, we do well as did Gaius to send as many people out with the word of the gospel as possible. We need the gospel being preached in every neighborhood on every corner. You see, because the lies are being preached all throughout this valley where we live, you can't go but every couple miles to see a church that is spreading false doctrine, right? But we need as many people spreading the gospel as possible. And it is evil to prevent the spreading of the gospel. It is evil to prevent the teaching of the word of God from going forth. And we need to note those kind of people that cause that kind of division. And it's hard sometimes, but we need to note that kind of people and we need to avoid them. Paul told the Roman believers to note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For those are such who do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. You see, the biblical doctrine, which I have learned, From the day I was born again, back in the summer of 1986. The biblical doctrine that I have learned was a doctrine of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in this love, right, God desires that all would hear the gospel. He desires that all would be saved. So when one goes forth to preach the gospel, that person must be supported, not torn down. And if God lays it upon one of your hearts here, right, to preach the gospel, to start a Bible study, and you want to start it right here in this neighborhood, right, I will support you in doing that because I will never treat somebody that wants to go out and preach the gospel in a negative way. It doesn't matter if you say, I'm taking the people that that come and listen to your teachings. I'm going to take all of them with me. If they want to go, if that's where you, if you got a work to do, then go do it. God will take care of me. He'll bring someone else along for me to teach the word to, right? I'll teach the word to one, to ten, to one thousand. I don't care, right? Because you see, I would rather be a Gaius than a Diotrephus. And there's an example given of both type of people, and I've known both type of people. Since I've been in the ministry for 28 years, since I've been called by the Lord. Gaius was good. Diotrephus was evil. And verse 11 says, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. So people like Diotrephus, Right. That want to put a stop to the spreading of the gospel. They don't want to receive the brethren. They want to kick them out of the church. And they want to shun others who talk to people that do want to spread the gospel, right? In the Bible, these people are called evil. And again, we are to avoid these kind of people, and we don't want to imitate them. And then another example of good we find in verse 12 Demetrius has a good testimony from all. And from the truth itself. And we also bear witness. And you know that our testimony is true. So. As we would say today. John gives a shout out to Demetrius here. For the good testimony. That Demetrius has. In the truth. Then verse 13 John says. I had many things to write to you. But I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly. And we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. So, what is your testimony like in the truth? Do you have a good testimony? Does your life show that you do good for the Lord's sake? Are you the type of person that is giving encouraging words to others in the body of Christ that want to go out and spread the gospel because God places it on their heart to do so? Or are you the kind of person that would use malicious words to put someone else down? Are you taking care to spread the gospel or are you supporting those that do? Gaius did well, Demetrius did well, Diotrephus did not. We are to be imitators of what is good. And we must examine our lives regularly and check how we live because God's word is clear on how he wants us to be, how he wants us to live as we walk through this life. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, your word is truth, Lord. We thank you for it. Again, Lord, sometimes the truth cuts, but the truth always stands. The truth will always remain. We thank you that you have given us your truth in your word and that your truth abides in us. Lord, may we walk in that truth, even as we walk in love. May we serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. May we do your will. May we seek your will. May we help others who are doing your will. May we be known for helping others within the body of Christ. And Lord, may we shine as lights in this dark world, Lord. The darkness seems to be ever increasing all around us. But your light is stronger and your love is stronger. And your word is stronger. Your word is truth. It's a living, active word, and it can pierce through everything, Lord. It can cut this darkness asunder, and it can change the hearts of men and women. Lord, let that truth be in us and known through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.